Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. The first major potential strike of the year, and it could be happening any day. On the show today, the Washington State AFL-CIO and the United Labor Agency. Welcome to the Wednesday, January 3rd edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with April Sims. April was elected president of the Washington State Labor Council in October of 2022, and she was sworn in several months later to begin her four-year term on January 1 of 2023. So she's got a year and a couple of days in that position, and she made history. She is the first woman to be elected president of the Washington State Labor Council and the first black woman elected to the presidency of an AFL-CIO state federation. Now, as president, April Sims is the chief executive officer of the council. She supervises all of its activities and staff and leads Washington's largest union organization, which represents over 600,000 union brothers and sisters. Do check out their website. A lot of a lot of information posted there, and it's real simple, wslc.org. And you can read about what they do for legislative advocacy, political action, race and labor, workforce development, organizing. And we're going to touch on all of these. We're going to talk about the growing clean energy economy and building organizing capacity in general, especially along the coastlines there. You're seeing a lot of... Uh, windmills and obviously jobs that we want to see go union we'll talk about their uh, political program in washington state and uh, what they're doing to elect pro worker champions to build political power and april we'll get into her background she is the granddaughter of louisiana sharecroppers and the daughter of a single mom and she said i have seen the power of unions and how unions can change lives the Great Migration brought her grandfather to Washington, where his union job provided economic dignity for his family, and her mom's union job pulled their family out of a cycle of poverty. She's going to get into all of that and more as our first guest. Later in the show, we're going to go to uh, Dave Meganhart. Dave is the executive director of one of our great sponsors here, the United Labor Agency. This is an agency that was formed in 1971 in Cleveland, Ohio, by the Cleveland AFL-CIO and the United Auto Workers and the Teamsters. Now, they morphed over the years, and in the last maybe 10, 15 years, they've been focusing on workforce development. We're going to talk about uh, online classes. We touched on this uh, last year with Dave. It's called Coursera, and also they officially launched the ULA Counseling Center. A lot of issues concerning uh, mental health today, and they are now accepting clients, so Dave will touch on that. And also, built environment outreach. This is all about connecting the dots, especially in the underserved population of various communities, so we can connect 
so many people into good jobs, primarily building trade jobs. We often say it's the pathway to the middle class, and these are jobs that you earn while you learn. You could be making six figures in no time, in no time. And I'll tell you, it's across the board. And the ULA is providing all of this on their website. Just go to ulaagency.org. That's the website. Dave Meganhart will be joining us later in the show. Now a brief look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management in what looks to be the first major potential strike of the new year. 1,500 UAW members, this would be at local 933 in Indianapolis, are making preparations to walk out at the Allison Transmission Plant if the company continues to lowball workers in contract talks. Now, this company manufactures commercial duty automatic transmissions and hybrid propulsion systems, and they're making money. They amassed over a half billion dollars in profit through the first three quarters of last year. The CEO has raked in nearly $18 million in the last two years alone. Now, the union contract expired November 14th, and then on December 1st, the workers rejected a tentative agreement by 96%. Now, in a new video, and you can check this video out on the UAW website, the workers are speaking out about what they're fighting for and against management's unwillingness to come to a deal that honors the sacrifices and value what UAW members produce. Patty Evans is one of those workers. Patty said, we gave up a lot during the recession. And in those years, there really hasn't been a reciprocation of the sacrifices we made. Just like when we lost cost of living. We don't have any assurance that going forward, we'll be able to keep up with inflation and things like that. Martha Brumette said, I have some medical issues. You have a lot of wear and tear on your body here. On your wrists, on your back, your feet are constantly tired. It takes a toll on you. And then there's Lisa Perry. Lisa said that she works seven days a week, anywhere from nine, ten-hour workdays. I have gotten used to working those many hours so I can take care of my bills. Even a number of retirees are speaking out saying, you know what, it wasn't always like this. Do check out that video, uaw.org. All right, we're going to take a quick break. April Sims on behalf of the Washington AFL-CIO coming up next. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, and exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. 
If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit BACWeb.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, Canada and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers. Standing strong. And fighting for what's right. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. America's workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at Lyuna.org. Now, back to America's workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to the Pacific Northwest right now. And joining us on our live line is April Sims. I always like newcomers to the show, and I'll tell you, she's a dynamo, no doubt about that. April was elected president of the Washington State Labor Council in October of 2022, and then sworn in to begin her four-year term in January of 2023. And she has been breaking down barriers. April is the first woman, the first to be elected to the Washington State Labor Council and the first black woman elected to the presidency of an AFL-CIO state federation. So we've got a lot to talk about. She's got an interesting family history. We're going to get into all of that. And we're going to focus on what's going on with working people, especially in Washington State and all the union organizing going on there. April Sims, well, Happy New Year to you. And uh, thank you for joining us here on America's Workforce. I, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about your journey, and especially when I have new folks coming to the show. It's always good to find out where they started and uh, how they got to where they are today. And I'll tell you, you... Uh, got yourself in a really good position there. So thank you for joining us here on America's Workforce. Talk to me about uh, about your rise to the presidency there. Go ahead. Yeah, well, good afternoon, and thank you so much for inviting me to be on your show. I'm excited to be here. Um, you know, I often say that it's a long, windy road that gets you where you're supposed to be. And so, um, you know, my journey started, um, you know, I would say that it was, you know, I grew up understanding the union difference. It was my mom's union job that got our family off of welfare. I was raised by a single mom um, and her union job that gave her economic dignity for the first time in her life. And so I saw the power of the labor movement from an early age. And, you know, it was because my mom's union pension that she was able to retire with economic dignity and financial stability. And, you know, she's living her best life right now. She's traveling. COVID restrictions have been lifted. And, um, you know, she is a walking illustration of the generational impact that a good union job can have. Um, and because I've had the opportunity to live that, it has impacted and guided my service in the labor movement. Mm -hmm. So when I got the opportunity to join a union, I did. Um, signed my union card right away. And, uh, you know, someone invited me to a union meeting. 
And at first I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go with it. They said it's you know, 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night. I said, I'm not going to make it. I've got to get my kids from daycare. Um, i got to make dinner. I have to do all the things. But the uh, shop steward in my workplace was trained in leadership identification and development. And um, he saw something in me long before I saw it in myself and kept inviting me to get involved in my union. And I did. And um, it was from that first union meeting that really, uh, that really got me involved in my union. Um, after a couple of years of being an activist, I went to work for my union. I come out of AFSCME Council 28, which is the Washington State Employees Union. I uh, worked for my union for a little over a decade. Uh, came to work for the Washington State Labor Council in 2015 under the leadership of then President Jeff Johnson. Um, started my work as the field director. Uh, later became the political and strategic campaigns director was elected secretary treasurer in 2019 and elected president and um, sworn into office in 2023. And here I am. That's a, that's a long story for a short question. I know. <laughs> well, like you said, it was a long and winding road and, and we should give a shout out here to uh, AFSCME council 28 that you mentioned here. Are they a, a pretty big union in, in that neck of the woods there, April? Yeah. Yeah. They're actually one of our largest affiliates. AFSCME International um, has, you know, nearly 60,000 members, and the state employees is the largest public sector union in our state. So if you don't mind, let's, let's reflect. I mean, you got a year under your belt as, as president mm-hmm. of the Washington State Labor Council. You know, it's not always easy. I'm just wondering some of the challenges that you encountered in your first year and, and what you see for, for the next three years. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been a year. Um, and you're right, it's a four-year term, so we've got a lot of work to do. Um, it's been an amazing year. I mean, I am privileged to serve in this capacity and was privileged to inherit um, a really dynamic labor movement with really strong leaders. I mean, you mentioned at the top of the segment that I'm the first woman in Washington and the first black woman in the country elected um, to serve in this capacity. But uh, equally exciting is uh, Sharika Carter, who is our secretary treasurer, is a black woman from Ohio. So I uh, got to give her a shout out. Um, and our historic and uncontested election um, means Washington is the only state to have a labor movement led by two black women. So I have a, uh, which I think says a little bit about mine and Sharika's leadership, but probably says even more about the labor movement in Washington state and the labor leaders that I'm privileged to serve alongside. Um, And so you're right, this job is not easy. If it were easy, everyone would do it. Um, It is the, the act of federating is not easy. Leading um, leaders is, is not easy, but um, you know, the Washington state labor movement is in a really strong place right now. We just completed a strategic planning process with our board and with a number of key affiliates and stakeholders. And we've identified four key priorities. In addition to all of the amazing work that we're doing, um, our strategic planning process has, has elevated these four key priorities. The first is creating climate jobs. So making sure that we are approaching climate policy as economic policy and ensuring that this next generation of jobs in the green energy economy are good union jobs that pay a livable wage and provide a glide path to the middle class. 
Uh, the second is building independent political power that's not tied to a party or an ideology, um, which includes uh, developing strategies to engage our politically conservative union members and make sure that they are connected uh, to the fight for equality for all workers. The third is growing our um, organizing capacity. There is, uh, as you know, um, been uh, a rise in uh, worker power and efforts to build worker power, and we're looking at our structures and our systems to make sure that we are able to take advantage of this moment so that the workers who um, want to join a union are able to do that and that we have the capacity to support workers in their efforts. Uh, and then the third, or I'm sorry, the fourth, is connecting racial, gender, and economic justice. We have been doing anti-racism work at the Washington State Labor Council since 2015, and this um, this new priority allows us to double down on that work and make sure that we're connecting racial, gender, and economic justice so that all workers see their fate connected to the fight for equity and justice. And so with those key priorities, guiding our work for the next three years and the support of the leaders in Washington State, it is a really, really exciting time. For as challenging as it can be, it's a very exciting time. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, you got a lot on your agenda there. And uh, I, I know you want to <laughs> hit it hit it head on. There's no doubt about that. If you don't mind, I want to tear this down a little bit. It, let, yeah. Let's start with let's start with green jobs. And, and you made a yeah. comment. Uh, there, there's some conservative members of unions that are still kind of saying, well, I don't know if, we, if we're ready to go in that direction. Maybe we're going a little too fast. You're hearing about these EV and these battery mm-hmm. EV cars and battery plants. And wait a minute, wait a minute. We still have fossil fuel. We still have drilling to do. I'm just wondering. And um, I had a conversation with, I believe it was Joel Hall. This was months back in 2023. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. My sister yeah. from Alaska. We, from Alaska. And, you know, there's there's drilling. Yeah. There's a lot of oil up there. And I'm just wondering, what's, what's the... Uh, What's the reaction in your state, in Washington State? Because I know, especially with the coastline there, green jobs, mm-hmm. windmills, solar, and all that kind of stuff. But how, how do you how do you frame this right now, especially when it comes with this uh, political debate on, you know, green jobs, fossil fuel? How, how would you frame that, April? Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, two things. One is, uh, one, one of the things I think that's been missing from the conversation um, historically, um, at least in Washington State, when we have talked about, um, you know, fossil fuels and clean jobs, what we've talked a lot about climate policy as environmental policy and its impacts to the environment. And we have really started to shift our focus to talking about climate policy as economic policy and as industrial policy. And with all of the investments from the federal government under President Biden's um, leadership, there are so many opportunities in Washington. You mentioned offshore wind, um, but also around investments in hydrogen. We were just awarded a hydrogen hub here in the Pacific Northwest, which is a commitment of a billion dollars of investment in uh, clean hydrogen production and distribution. Um, that billion-dollar investment from the federal government is coupled with a $7 billion investment uh, from a number of these projects which means $8 billion of investment in this infrastructure. And because labor was at the table, we were able to negotiate and and ensure that any project over a million dollars is required to have a project labor agreement. 
meaning that we can ensure that the construction of those projects will be good union jobs. And I think when our affiliates see us at the table negotiating these these real tangible benefits for their members, it uh, takes away some of the fear about what that transition will look like because we're ensuring that these new jobs that are coming on board as a result of these investments in the post-carbon economy will be good union jobs. And so I think reframing it as economic policy and then building out a vision for what these new jobs look like and um, negotiating to make sure that these will be good union jobs alleviates some of the fear um, that I think is, was driving some of the opposition to climate policy in the past. April, you said something I want to go back on about labor being at the table. And it's so important that labor is at the table. But you know what? That doesn't always happen. Has that been mm-hmm. a challenge in uh, in Washington state, in your opinion? How would you how would you uh, react to that? Well, um, you know, we're always uh, we are always fighting to be at the table. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And we're not afraid to build a table um, if we're not invited at the one. Uh, where the conversations are happening. But in Washington state, you know, we proudly boast having the third highest union density in the nation. So we're just behind New York and Hawaii uh, at nearly twice the national average. It means one in five workers in our state is represented by a union, which gives us some um, institutionally recognized power. Um, And we're able to use that power to get seats at the table to make sure that we are centering the needs of workers, families, and communities, whether we're talking about climate policy or whether we're talking about other benefits or impacts to workers, whether it's unemployment or workers' comp, um, our union density and the strong labor movement that we have here in Washington State, um, I think, gives us an advantage and often puts us at, at table so we don't necessarily have to well, we have to fight to make sure that we're there, um, yeah. but we probably don't have to fight as hard as some states that maybe have lower union density. Well, you know, 20%, one out of five, that's 20%. That is 10 times what it is in South Carolina. So you are very, very fortunate to uh, have that union density over there in Washington State. April Sims joining us on our live line today. She is the president of the Washington State Labor Council, which is affiliated with the AFL-CIO, WSLC. Dot .org I forgot to mention that at the top of the interview wslc.org more to come from April right after this you're listening to America's workforce with Ed Flash Ferens it takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy the men and women of Lyuna the laborers international union of North America have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's liuna.org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE.com. 
www.americanfamilyinsurancecompany.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always, always appreciate those five-star ratings. I'll tell you, we've been getting a lot of people signing up. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and last year, 2023, a banner year, not only... Did we reach 1% of all podcasts? There's 2 million podcasts in the world, 2 million. We're in the top 1%, but we had a 25% increase in listenership from 2022. Hopefully we can carry that into uh, 2024 and beyond. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go back to our live line, rejoin April Sims. April is president of the Washington State Labor Council. Website wslc.org. April, I want to talk about, well, a couple things here. Uh, building a political program, but in order to do that, you got to got to get a lot of members lined up. And I know you've been doing a pretty good job on organizing. In fact, 2023 was a heck of a year. A lot of strikes, a lot of good contracts with the Teamsters, the UAW, my union, SAG-AFTRA. In fact, uh, this year I'll be uh, a member of, of uh, SAG-AFTRA. Actually, it started out as AFTRA 50 years ago. It was 1974. When I joined them at a radio station in Cleveland, Ohio, and still going strong, still making my uh, monthly dues payments to the American Federation of TV Radio Artists. And I often joke that uh, since they merge with SAG, I'm in the same union as George Clooney, but I don't make as much money. (laughs) For a while, for a while, I did because he was on strike and we have a different contract. So there was a little... There was a little period there. Anyway, getting off subject here. April, let's talk about organizing because there's an old line in in labor, organize or die. You got to keep organizing. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, Mm -hmm. and how are we doing in Washington state in your opinion? Um, Well, it's an, I mentioned earlier, it's an exciting time. I think workers everywhere, Um, the amount of organizing and the way that workers are winning 
um, going on strike and winning is it's lifting up the whole movement. I mean, these workers going on strike is is incredibly hard. It takes a lot of bravery. Um, and workers that go on strike are empowering the entire labor movement, right? We're all watching um, these incredible games. And I think that is what's encouraging workers at Amazon and Starbucks and um, all of these other um, companies to form unions and um, consolidate their power. So it's a very exciting time in Washington state. Um, you know, our affiliates are full steam ahead with their organizing. I mentioned earlier that we have the third highest union density. We're coming for the number two seat um, and ultimately for that number one spot. I've already put New York and Hawaii on notice. Um, but in Washington State, we just passed a resolution as part of our strategic planning process to grow our organizing capacity. I think what we're looking at are our systems and structures um, to help our affiliates organize that were really built based on organizing models from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and our economy just doesn't work that way anymore. Um, and we want to make sure that we are doing everything we can to support the organizing work of our affiliates. So the resolution that we passed calls on us to create an organizing and growth task force to really answer that question, what is the role of the Washington State Labor Council as it relates to helping our affiliates with their organizing efforts? And how do we use our institutionally recognized power to bring our affiliates together to share resources, whether that's organizers or uh, research or uh, you know any of the other things that you need to really win an organizing campaign? How are we sharing those resources with each other so that we can take advantage of the opportunity that we're in. April, do you have any goals in mind when it comes to increasing that union density? I mean, 20% is pretty darn good, but okay, you got three more years in this term and hopefully there'll be more terms ahead. But I'm just wondering, have, have you had any discussions with your team on where you possibly maybe get up to 25%? I don't know. Is there a number out there right now, April? <laughs> Well, I like the way you think. Um, you know, my number one goal is just passing New York right now um, and coming in at the number two spot in terms of union density. But I think we're pretty early in the process of um, we're really trying to answer the question, what is our role and how do we build the capacity and the infrastructure to support that? So once we have some additional clarity from our affiliates around what help is or, or what resources are the most helpful, I think then we will start to build out our goal. I mean, I could come up with an arbitrary number. We want to organize another 500,000 um, union members before the end of my first term. Uh, but I think I want to make sure, which sounds great, um, but I would really like to make sure that whatever goal we come up with as a goal that the collect that the labor movement collectively has identified and that mm -hmm. our of all of our affiliates are committed to achieving that goal. So we're just not there yet, but I like the twenty five percent density that you mentioned and maybe I will suggest that to our affiliates. Let's talk about political power, if you don't mind. And, yeah. and it, it's so important. It's so important that we elect the right people, especially the pro-union people. And I know I've had a number of conversations with uh, Federation presidents. Uh, New Jersey stands out, too. They have a wonderful program mm -hmm. where they where they basically take union brothers and sisters and say, OK, you did a good job as a business agent, a business manager, a union president. What do you think about running for a city council, a school board, maybe a state rep, maybe a congressional rep? I mean, we're seeing a lot of that happening. 
I'd like to know what's going on in your state, in Washington State, April. How how are we, how are we looking at that regard? Yeah, well, first, shout out to New Jersey and Charlie um, and their leadership um, for really building out their path to power, their candidate recruitment program. I think that's a model for the rest of the nation. We have a path to power um, candidate training program that we're really proud of, that we've ran a number of union members and um, community partners through um, to help make sure that we get folks elected into office that bring our values with them. Um, and that's been a successful program that we've been running since 2015, I think modeled after New Jersey's longstanding program. But the other thing that we're doing in Washington State is really looking at how we build independent political power that's not tied to a party or an ideology, which includes looking at, um, you know, whether or not there are Republicans in our state that share our values, that are running in Republican districts that we can endorse. Um, and build, you know, field program around so that we can build credibility with conservative union members around our political program. I mean, the reality is that 40% of union members um, generally, and that's across all industries and all sectors, identify as politically conservative. And we have to find a way to engage them in our political program and engage them in the labor movement so we can get them to take their MAGA hats off and put their union hats back on. And the resolution that we passed at our convention in July, um, building independent political power is aimed at doing just that, Um, really evaluating our political endorsement program. uh, Making sure that we have credibility with our endorsements and, uh, the resolution charges us with coming up with strategies to engage politically conservative union members in our political program. We're speaking with April Sims, president of the Washington State Labor Council, the AFL-CIO. She was elected president a little over a year ago and sworn in uh, for her first four-year term in January of 2023. And she's the first woman to be elected president and the first black woman elected to the presidency of an AFL-CIO federation. You mentioned in the first segment that uh, one of the things you want to tackle is racial, economic, and gender justice. And boy, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And you know what's going on in the country. And uh, in some days, I I wonder, did we ever ever get out of the Civil War era? Uh, And it's scary out there. It really is. I'd like to know. Uh, under your first uh, first year in office, uh, uh, did you get? I guess did you did you get your feet wet into this issue here? And what do you see for the the rest of your uh, of your term there in dealing with this, April? Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you asking the question. I mean, I, we have been doing anti-racism work at the Washington State Labor Council since 2015 when delegates at our convention passed a resolution we affectionately, affectionately referred to as race and labor, um, calling on us to take up then President Trump's call to have a conversation about the labor movement's role in dismantling and addressing systemic and institutional racism. Um, and it's not easy work, uh, but it's work that we're really proud uh, to be leading on. And your listeners can find out more by going to our website and clicking on the Race and Labor tab if they're interested in um, seeing the various resolutions and the work that we've done around this. Um, The resolution connecting racial, gender, and economic justice is the next step in our work. Um, And it's really making sure that all workers see their fate connected to the fight for racial and gender justice, that this is really an economic issue. 
Uh, you know, you mentioned my bio at the start of the show, um, and I, I was raised by sharecroppers. Uh, my grandparents were sharecroppers in rural Louisiana, which means they, like all of the generations before them, picked cotton just to survive. And when my grandfather realized that the landowner was shorting some of the farmers on the crop payout, he got the other families all riled up. And that created real problems for my family. The landowners sent some men to the house. They drug my grandfather out to the whipping post. They were intent on making an example out of him. Uh, but he was a strong, proud man and fought back. He narrowly escaped by using what he always referred to as his Texas Jack, which was this knife he kept tucked in his right boot. Uh, but the family knew if they found him, they'd lynch him for sure. So my family went into hiding and made their way to northern Louisiana where my grandmother's family told him he could stay, but only if he could learn to keep his head down and his mouth shut. And my grandfather dreamt of a better life, you know, not just for him, but for his children and his children's children. So he left my grandmother and the five kids in the safekeeping of her family, and he migrated to Washington in search of social and economic justice. And it was here uh, that for the first time in his life, he earned a fair day's pay for a hard day's work. And so for me and my family and my community, the fight for racial justice and gender justice and economic justice is inextricably linked. They are the same fight. And making sure that the labor movement in Washington state is grounded in that fight is uh, a responsibility that I feel like I have as president of the Washington State Labor Council. And the resolution that we passed connecting racial, gender, and economic justice allows us to deepen our work. And I'm really excited about it. Well, there's no doubt in my mind they elected the right person to be the president of the Washington State Labor Council. No doubt in my mind. April Sims, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for sharing that story. And it's a story that needs well, to be you. shared because that's part, of a, that's part of our history. It's a sad part of our history, but we... Uh, we have to know what happened in years past so we know where we're going. There's no doubt about that. April Sims, thank you so much. Let's keep in touch. You got a lot on your plate. Absolutely. I love I love talking to you. So you keep doing what you're doing, and please keep in touch with us here on America's Workforce. This show, I say this to so many guests, this show is your show as well. So please keep in touch. Can you do that? Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on your show and giving me the opportunity to talk about the work we're doing here in Washington State. And I am working every day to live up to the privilege of being elected to serve in this capacity. So thank you so much. April mentioned the website. It's WSLC.org. Do check that out. WSLC.org. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Dave Meganhart on behalf of the United Labor Agency. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Layuna. Find out what it takes for Layuna to keep America running at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan, 
we build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great iron worker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Iron Workers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be a WF Union podcast. By the way, this uh, next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. And let's go to line number two right now. And joining us is one of our regulars and sponsors, and that would be the United Labor Agency with their executive director, Mr. David Meganhart. We're talking about an agency that started in Cleveland, Ohio in 1971, and Dave has been there more than half that time. How many years now? Okay, it's 2024. How many years now at the ULA, and how many years as executive director, Mr. Meganhart? Uh, so I've been at the ULA uh, this year. It will be 35 years, and I've been a director for 23 of those years. That's a long so, time. Well, congratul- long congratulations time. And, and happy new year to you, and hopefully oh, yeah. it'll be a good year for the ULA. And you're always doing something in the community. Let's talk about this uh, counseling center. Apparently, uh, officially launched it and you're accepting clients. I, I need all the details. Go ahead, Dave. Sure. Sure. Um, right. So we've uh, established a mental health counseling center. Uh, it's kind of in conjunction with our workforce development work and our, our, uh, you know, our work to be able to help people get back into careers. But we noticed that, you know, that there were many large problems that people were having um, and that we needed uh, sort of more in-depth and in-depth, more intense approach to it. So we have, developed and we've launched it's officially open as of the first of the year uh the ula counseling center and so we are uh, so what that means is that we have um licensed counselors that are on staff that can help people through therapy so it's like therapy like any other um and uh you know we we're working out of our offices right now um and we're accepting and so we're you know what they're in right now there's such a uh, demand for mental health services. Uh, we felt that it was really important for us to jump into this uh, line of work and to kind of bring the old ULA, um, uh, you know, uh, dedication and uh, good work that we do, and bring it to this to bring it to this uh, part of the um, 
needs of the community. So um, we're really excited about it. I think we're going to do a lot of good work. Um, people can find us by um, calling uh, the main number. They can go on the website. Um, and we can, and there's a whole referral process that you can access through the website. Um, and uh, we're going to be reaching out to unions as well because it's really one of our natural constituencies. And, you know, in the past, I think there was such a stigma about mental health and, you know, people didn't want to go find counseling or they thought there was a weakness if you go to counseling. And that, that really is changing for the better, uh, I think, with the recent you know, activity of the pandemic and uh, the, the change in society, the, you know, the economy, how hard it can be on some people too, uh, that then uh, can really impact their personal life. And sometimes you need to talk to somebody and we're going to provide that space for them. And, uh, you know, we really feel like this will be a, a value add for uh, our unions and brothers and sisters. And for those looking for work, you know, we, we can do, Everything from, you know, every, every, we're going to accept everybody, right? We can accept people counseling uh, for uh, couples counseling, for individual counseling, youth, um, career counseling. If, again, they need more in-depth uh, therapy about how, you know, what is the next step in the career and what should they do, we can provide that as well. We take all uh, major insurance um, companies, uh, and uh, we also accept Medicaid. So... You know, it's a, it's a very robust uh, answer to a need, and uh, we look forward to developing over the next many years to make it a really important part of the community. Oh, it's so darn important. We've been embracing this issue here on the show. We, we spend a lot of time, especially during September. September is Suicide Prevention Month, and we had a right. slew of guests talking about suicide prevention, which is ridiculously high in the trades. And I know you want to talk about the trades coming up, but it's about four times higher than the general population. So let's move on with these uh, online classes. So that's good. You got the counseling center. Those of you listening to just go to the website, ulagency.org, ulagency.org. All the information is posted there. Talk to me about these uh, online classes. I know we touched on this last year. And uh, right. I guess there's uh, there's a lot available online, right? Oh, my gosh. There's so much online available. Um, you know, again, this is a, a way of how to rebuild you know, your life or how to upskill your, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, upskill the, what you need to get your next job. Um, so we have a system called Coursera. It's an internationally known system. Uh, it has over 10,000 online courses uh, that are available to you. We try to um, focus on those that will end up in micro certifications or credentials that can help you know people land that next job. So it you can get a bachelor's degree even uh, through Coursera. But again, we kind of focus on the shorter term uh, training uh, that is in, for skills that are in high demand, um, or it can augment. You know so. A very basic example, let's say you you see a job ad that, you know, I want to know, the company wants you to be proficient in Excel. And you, you know it a little bit, uh, but you don't know it that well. But there's courses that you could take through Coursera that can make you proficient um, or even more than proficient. Um, you know, so sometimes it can be hard to find those courses or... You know, it can, you know, it's, you're trying to find them in the community. It's going to be somewhat difficult. But these are online. They're and they're taught by like these really great um, uh, teachers and professors. There's uh, 
everything from there are people from Stanford, there are people from you know uh, Cleveland State, there are people from uh, the University of London. I mean, it's like all over uh, the world um, that, that these experts come in and teach these classes. They're very well produced. They're very easy to follow. Um, and they're all free when they come through the ULAs, which is even, which is great. Um, so, you know, we've signed a contract for it. We sign you up, we register you and you can, you know, then you have, uh, access to thousands of things of training. So, the, I mean, I guess the, you know, the hokey thing of like, what are you going to do in the new year and the new year's resolution? If you need to upskill, this is the time to do it, right? You need to like get on it and really invest in yourself and take the time. And well, I think the very best part of it too is that it's 24 seven, 365, right? So you could, if you're a single mom and you have uh, the period of like 10 PM to midnight where you can actually go to school and there's no school available, well, Coursera is available at any time. You could do it at any time. Um, and so you could fit it into your schedule and you can, you know, work as fast as you, uh, pace as you can, or as go as slowly as you want to. And it's such a great resource. And we're really, you know, we're really trying to get the word out, um, cause we have a lot of slots available and it's like a really good opportunity for people who really want to, you know, again, hone the skills that they have and add to those things so they're more marketable for employers and or they can get that raise that they want or or it can set up for the promotion right in the future so it's really great stuff and the best part it is free all because yes, of the united labor agency i love that that is good stuff good stuff got to check that out again ulagency.org one more issue here it's called built environmental outreach and i know you and i have talked about this and we deal with a lot of the trades here on america's workforce and what we're doing here is connecting the dots and making sure we go into those uh, underserved communities and uh, lead that pathway to the middle class. So, Dave, what, what's what's at stake here? Well, you know, like every other employer, every other industry, uh, if people are worried about, I know, uh, companies and industries are worried about where the next generation of people are going to come from, right? So, you know, there's retirement's happening, the baby boom generation's retiring, you know, and, and leaving the workforce, you know, en masse. And um, certain Billy trades are, are one of those industries, right? They, they, they look forward, they projections, they see what their openings are, they see that they, they need to be aggressive um, in how they recruit people. And, uh, you know, so they've teamed up, uh, they've created, um, the city of Cleveland and Cuyahoga County uh, has created this built environment uh, program. They took some of the money that uh, Joe Biden gave the, um, uh, cities, you know, they, um, the are of money, and uh, they set it aside to do this outreach and development and training of people to go into build environments. So it's building trades, you know, it's uh, solar jobs, it's you know lead abatement jobs. It's all across the. That's why it's not. That's why it's called built environment, right? So it's a kind of an arching, uh, overarching name for all of the jobs that will be coming up in the future, and. It, yeah, so we're trying to, you know, how, how ULA is involved in it. We're not doing the training, um, and but what we want to do is we think it's such a great opportunity uh, for certainly underserved uh, populations in Cleveland is that we're doing a series of outreach events. We did a lot of them last year uh, throughout the summer and the fall. Uh, we went, you know, 
ward by ward, neighborhood by neighborhood. Uh, you know, we put posters up in every barbershop and convenience store and, you know, to really get the word out. And we're going to continue that because it's so important. It's such a great opportunity right now for a young person who wants to get into the trades or wants to get into, uh, you know, a career pathway that could lead to self-sustaining uh, wages or family-sustaining wages. We know how good these jobs are. We know how important it is to have that steady, you know, income and to grow. And, you know, again, building trades, probably one of the best training models out there in the United States with the apprenticeship model uh, and having that, you know, joint apprenticeship between employers and the unions and the unions are really leading the way in training. Um, so that's just, which, you know, it's an, such an important um, thing to be able to get into and really set yourself up for a great career in life and being able to you know, build and sustain a family. So we will turn over every rock. We're going to you know, go to every street, basically, and try to tell people that. You know, we tell people, we spread the good news, right, about what it is, how you get into it, what the training is, and, how, and what the importance and uh, availability of jobs in the building trades are. So I, you know, I wanted to talk about it because it's just one of those, I'm very passionate about like all three of these things. I think all three, mental health, counseling, Coursera, and uh, build environment. You know, it's, again, it's all kind of the same theme of investing in yourself, you know, helping, you know, try, understanding what your needs are, understanding where you want to go and how in having people help guide you there. Right. Nobody mm-hmm. does it alone. Nobody does it alone. And we can help in all three of those aspects. Dave, I like what you said. Invest in yourself. And I think that is the best way to start off the new year. Invest in yourself. And you can do that with the United Labor Agency. Do go to that website, ulagency.org. We're talking about programs. You go through the ULA and you get them for free. That, that sounds really good, especially when you're talking about the cost of higher education today. My oh. God, it's astronomical, but you can get oh, a really good. Yeah, I know. That's that's another show, but ulagency.org. Okay, my brother, you take care. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll do this in two months, okay? Okay. See you later. All right, that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, the president of the Building Trades and the News Guild on the strike at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.